Hello, episode 48, and welcome back. Episode 48, thank you immensely for joining me. I, I, I love you all. Keep coming back, you wonderful, wonderful people around the world. I really do hope that you're still enjoying. Um, as I say, as ever, uh, give me your thoughts. Um, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Um, go to the website, which is 40somethinggay.com. Co.uk. Um, share your thoughts with me. Talk to me on Twitter. Um, I love interacting with you. And uh, yeah, if you have any thoughts, or again, if you have any people that you'd like me to chat to that you think might be useful, or people that, if any of you have anything that you'd like to promote, whether you're uh, creating a new show or an album or whatever it might be in the world, um, then let me know and we can have a chat. Anyway, so this is episode 48. And talking of new shows creating, being created, this episode um, I'm going to entitle Lily in the Guest House Window. Um, and the reason I'm calling it that is because it's the name of a new play that I'm uh, embarking upon working with a group of people upon, Lily in the Guesthouse Window. And it's written by a friend of mine, Gregory A. Smith, better known to me as Greg. Um, and Greg has written this piece for me and is going to tell us all about it this week. And Greg has been working uh, alongside a wonderful man called Mr. Stephen Oswald. Stephen is a director, actor, writer, and general all-round good guy. Um, and I'm really looking forward to working with the two of them and, uh, and a collective of other people, actors, and stuff on that. So I thought I wanted to open you up to the process of attempting to get how you attempt to get a show from... Um, from page to stage, shall we say, um, and all that's involved. Um, because I don't think we've touched on that, really, and it's a part of my life and about to embark on that, um, and very excited about it. And uh, it's the early stages, so I thought we'll probably have this podcast and we'll come back to the guys a bit later on, hopefully when we are growing the, pro the product. <laughs> what world do I live in? The, the piece, the play as it grows in the world. So we'll be hearing from these gentlemen again down the line. Um, anyway, we'll come to them shortly. So, yes, again, thanks for joining. Um, I have some recommends because I've perhaps been... Uh, uh, I was a little quick on the last podcast, not really giving you too many recommends. But this week I'm back with uh, a couple of... Well, firstly, a couple of albums. Um, one is called and I recommend this highly, The Long Way Home, and it's by a gentleman called Aaron Taylor. It's The Long Way Home by Aaron Taylor, and he's a London-based singer, songwriter, um, and uh, iTunes describe his music as R&B and soul, but uh, I was reading an interview with him, he de he describes himself and his music as neo-soul, a neo-soul artiste. Um so Long Way Home, it's uh, it's an EP actually, but it's it runs the same as an album, and it's I've I I, I have albums that are shorter than this particular EP. Um, perhaps somebody can explain to me how that works. Am I still an idiot on that one? I think I am. Um, there's one track on it called Get Through This, um, which I would recommend going to first, especially if you're a Prince fan or George Clinton or. I suppose it's even got an element of Michael Jackson to it. Um, 
and it's a very well it's a very kind of minneapolis sound which i suppose isn't very michael jackson but anyway um that's why i love that particular track but it's a great album ep um i can recommend going to that i've been listening to that a lot on my travels second one is actually an ep because it's only four tracks and i say actually an ep because it's i always think of it to be about four or five tracks anyway and this is uh, called until morning and it's by uh james vickery and again it's probably neo solely jill scott influence i mean i love sam sparrow and he has a similar sort of vibe to mr sam sparrow um who regular listeners will know i've mentioned a few times um there's one again there's one particular track called violet that violet which is very chilled and uh and uh on a on a sunny autumn day is uh is perfect listening um and uh so go and discover those finally um it's another podcast um now this podcast doesn't me need me to be trying to big it up or sell it at all because i think it's doing very well um and i was rather surprised by how much i enjoyed it and i don't know why i shouldn't it's by uh, it's called Getting Curious, first of all, and it's by Jonathan Van Ness. Getting Curious with Jonathan Jonathan Van Ness is the title. So uh, jump in and listen to that. Jonathan Van Ness, for those who don't know, is the grooming expert on the new seasons of Queer Eye. Um, I've heard some people say that he's an acquired taste. I think I've acquired the taste. Uh, more so on the podcast, um, I really, really do enjoy it he delves into into all sorts of subjects that he sometimes doesn't fully understand but is willing to explore it with his expert of choice or just a general guest um from comedy tv um uh, but sometimes they are actual experts on a subject and um, he's delved in everything from the um from the dreaded brexit to um to how to apply i'm just looking here there's one i really enjoyed how to apply ethics to everyday life um and, uh, and then there was one uh, that I listened to the other day. He's just chewing the cud with um, the, the lovely Justin Theroux about life, love and everything in between. So, yes, people, jump in and subscribe to Jonathan's podcast. Enjoy. And now I think it's time to get straight in and meet the gentleman. And we are down on the South Bank and there are some moments where uh, we do have a little bit of... Um, of of general chit chat in the background, but um, it keeps the ambience and it, you'll understand where we are and you get the full feel of the South Bank Centre uh, of an afternoon in September two thousand and eighteen. Anyway, here they are, Gregory and Stephen and myself. So let us begin. So hello, gentlemen, and thank you for joining. Hello, um, thank you for asking. Me. Yes, you're very welcome. And. Um, there's a reason because I'm in your show, so uh, it works for all of us, really. Um, but first of all, let me introduce you. Uh, so we have uh, Gregory A. Smith. Hello. Gregory A. Smith. A. Smith. <laughs> um, One of many. And you would describe yourself as actor, author, playwright. Actor, author, playwright, artist. Um, of course, artist and creativist. Yep. Marvelous. And Stephen Oswald, director, writer actor i also do art and stuff too uh yeah okay paper crafts and everything as well it's all fabulous 
did not know that either. Well, that's another podcast entirely <laughs> about crafting. Um, yeah. If you put a microphone in front of me, they begin opening up. <laughs> and for the listeners, uh, Greg Gregory, we're going to call just him Greg because that's how we know you. Greg yeah. uh, is, in this case, uh, the playwright. And Stephen is the director. I am indeed. And I'm going to be in the cast, but more about that later. So firstly, in brief, um, tell me, uh, let's go with you, Gregory, first of all, where you were born and um, how was school for you? Well, rather inauspiciously, I was born in a workhouse. Um, yeah, true story. Obviously, it wasn't a workhouse when I was born. It had been turned into a hospital. But I do have that <laughs> absolute... Horror of the fact oh, that God, my mother young fellow. Holding up, polyfiller. No advertising or other, you know, products are available. Um, yeah, so I was born uh, actually in Eastbourne, um, on the east, south east coast of Britain. Yeah, and yeah, I moved away from there. My family moved away from there when I was three and a half, so I don't really have much recollection or no anything of it but obviously went down when we were kids um, to see grandparents sure uh, and yeah so that's and how was school how was schooling oh golly I mean kind of really we're talking more let's kind of jump the because you know the initial part of primary and well in my case it was primary and junior but I yeah, don't know what you, first, when you were at school what middle, it would have been first and middle isn't it funny how they've got so many first and middle calling schools and Scotland's got a completely different education yeah, system altogether yeah of course yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah so, so, uh, so secondary comprehensive secondary school I mean I was um, quite academic when I was at school I, yeah. I enjoy learning I like you know learning things mm. there are subjects that I didn't find as appealing um Maths and science. Um, I am. There's I like them, but yeah, not so much on maths and science. I like like those subjects, but didn't excel yeah. at them. Yeah. So, um, and I think you just kind of go along with what you feel strongest at mm-hmm. uh, at the time. Um, so yeah, I think I was an academic, but that's also born about. So that, English, but, yeah. language, mm-hmm. literature. Uh, yeah, English and um, language, literature, history, languages, I did French and Italian. Um, oh yes, Gregory is, is, well later we'll get him to say goodbye in three different languages, but yes. Golly. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I did French and Italian and uh, what else was there? Science don't look at me, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember, it was such a long time ago. Parts and crime, you have to know everything about, everything about him. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that was that was sort of secondary school. And then I stayed on to sixth form and I did English and Italian and church history slash philosophy. Oh. So yeah. when did when did drama, did drama play a part in school or not so There much? were drama things, events that happened um, in my middle school. Obviously there were sort of the annual play. So I'd always wanted to, like, even from the age of five, always had this kind of creative feel mm. about things. And I really, really wanted to be a dancer, actually. I just always oh, loved dancing, yeah. It's one of my, oh, if only I could have done that. Um, but, yeah, I think I've always had this sense of being an artist, being creative. Mm. But somewhere along the line of, you know, life, um, <laughs> That kind of wasn't an option necessarily where I was brought up. Like drama was not an option, for example. Mm. 
um, so it literally wasn't an, it was was an, option. an option okay. to, to study that. So I didn't know that you could do that, or you know, didn't really know about drama schools and all of that sort of thing. Um, so I did kind of an arts degree. So mm. I studied Italian and English uh, for university, and it was actually my final year. Um, I wrote a novel, and uh, then I tried to get that published after I had graduated, mm -hmm. and then I kind of sidelined into the acting. Mm. There was a, an acting course that I went up to in London, and I really enjoyed it, really loved that, and then kind of sidelined into it, and I think it was the fact that I then had the courage to do it at that point, mm -hmm. um, because at school, obviously, you know, teenage years, you get so many different things that are... So yeah, and then this I studied acting, I went out to Los Angeles, and, yes. and I lived out there for a while, and for me, it was completely the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. I had an amazing time out there. I loved it. And yeah, I kind of, I do miss that. There are definitely times I miss it. There are friends that I miss um, mm -hmm. out there as well. You know, it's such a long, long way away. It's a 12 hour flight, so it's not like you can just hop on and yeah, hop yeah. off. And, Absolutely. You know, so yeah, that was a big part of my life that I do miss. But obviously, if I was still out there, I wouldn't know you guys. Stephen. Let's yeah. come well, to you now. So, so born where? I was born in Glasgow. I uh -huh. come from the other the other end of the country, mm -hmm. um, and grew up in the very grey industrial Glasgow nineteen seventies, um, leading up to the winter of discontent. Sure, um, of course. Primary, you know, we had we had a couple of um, scrapes with school shows and things at primary school, but it was it was high school that got me completely hooked. Um, when I when I started high school, we were in the middle of a huge period of, of industrial action by teachers, so there yeah. was no extracurricular activities. And then I got to my third year in high school, and the school show started again. And we had one of the most bonkers classics teachers ever who directed our school show. Um, that he was, we had teachers who still wore gowns, and he was one of them. Wow. Um, very eccentric man. Um, turns out not a very nice human being, but you only learn that when you're an adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just a brilliant guy to work with. You know, he's, he's working with kids who are you know, 13 to, to 18. And I always remember him saying, if the, if the audience come out and say it was good for a kid's show, you haven't done your job right. <laughs> yes. So there, there was a benchmark that we were yeah, expecting. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at the same time, that, that feeling of doing a, a musical, singing along with everybody else, having a great time doing that, you, it just gets into the blood. Do you remember the first big show you were, you were in? The first big show I was in, my voice was breaking, uh -huh. so I played the rather elderly Mr Brownlow in Oliver, <laughs> um, who is, if you remember, his grandfather. Okay. So there was, there was lots of talcum powder, there was lots of fake, <laughs> uh, fake whiskers stuck on. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was such good fun. Yeah. Um, and when I, when I left high school, I then I went on and, and studied theatre arts for, for a while. Where did you study? Um, I went to Clydebank College. Okay. Um, there, was, there was two major colleges in Glasgow that were doing the same um, theatre arts course. That kind of, it was a kind of preparation to go on to places like RCMD. And, um, didn't get into RACMD. Hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Conservatoire. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But it's it, um, it's a tough industry. So you, you finish college and you think, oh, I better go off and wait tables and do other stuff. Mm. And, and ended up going down a very different career path after that. But always came back to performing and mm. seemed to come back to stranger and stranger branches of it. Mm. So I, I 
I studied cloning for a while. I did, did lots of contemporary dance. I did, and that led me into bootle. Um, I was part of a huge uh, collective in Edinburgh. I moved to Edinburgh eventually and I was part of this 300 strong performance collective there who do um, fire performances and live dr- and drumming performances oh, and yeah, I yeah. drummed for years oh, and it's you know it's a drum crew of maybe 20 of you and you're, you're really making a wall of sound yeah yeah it's powerful with, um, the built-in fire society uh-huh. um, that I was with and they came out of test department and dv8 they right, yeah, from, yeah, yeah. from dv8 so the kind of things that I was involved with and by with. the way Google Deviate if you're not sure yes they're it's, phenomenal yeah. they're phenomenal um, but again sort of the politicised end of, of performing or the, the aware end of, really aware end of performing and that, that followed on from the theatre that I'd grown up watching because mm. I grew up with theatre companies like Communicado and 784 and it was all it was theatre with a social conscience but never with a hammer Mm. It was. It was. We're just holding a mirror up to you. This mm. isn't political theatre for the sake of it. So I think I, I, I grew up with this quite a rich tapestry of theatre around about me. Um, and what I, my, when I started directing much much later, um, it was it was Liz Lockhead and Scottish writers that I was I was directing who who wrote in that in that style and, sure. and, and from that that heart. Um, I again fell into acting. I had set up a theatre company um, in the organisation that I worked in and I'd actually taken a step back from it and the girl who'd stepped up said, oh, by the way, I'm having a baby, so I'm going to be stepping back, you better step up again. And I had been off doing clowning and dance mm. and, and the thought of having to walk onto a stage and say actual proper words, I was like, I can't do that anymore. So how, old, how old were you? Ish? That would have been mid-30s by that point. Okay. Um, and I remembered from the annals of my um, memory, watching a nationwide presentation, if you, anyone remembers that lovely magazine programme. I certainly do. About the, the drama school Sue that Lolly. I ended up going to, Sue Lolly, yeah. yes. Um, because the drama school offered short courses, and I thought I could go there and I could upscale again and just put words and things back into my head. Did the short course and they offered me a place to study for two years. And I thought, well, I have nothing to lose. Mm. So I gave up a career and I gave up um, the masters that I was working towards at the time, gave away most of my possessions and moved to London. Right. Oh and goodness. spent two years studying. That was um, just under six years ago now. And, and I've only been in, in this as a, as a real grown-up adult professional for, for six years. Um, oh my goodness. For my own theatre company when we graduated and you know, we, we battered through like six, six productions in, in three years and, and worked incredibly hard. And, and I think in the, the last year or so, I've kind of gone, oh, okay, I don't need to run at this like a maniac anymore. Sure. And, and I'm, I've been really fortunate in the, the projects that I've found. I've found projects that have really inspired me. And, and that leads us round full circle to, to kind of why, why we're here now. Absolutely, um, but uh, spoiler alert: this is a project that really inspires me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's—I think it's something, and I know that because I have—I uh, have chats with some of the listeners, and people mm. I have younger uh, listeners who are thinking about doing what we do, and the fear is—the uh, fear is quite often that you are going to the fear of failure that everybody has mm. Um, mm. that you're an imposter that one comes up a lot <laughs> I think that's in every profession yeah. oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah 
nobody knows what they're doing. No, yeah. In life, generally, really yeah. nobody yeah. knows. We all think that people know what they're doing. Do yeah. we think that we know what's going on politically at the moment? No. Well, yes. nobody has a clue, and I'm not saying any more about that. But <laughs> yeah. you know, but it's when you sit on the train in the morning, you look around, and you think all of these people have got there together yeah. Yeah. and I have yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. all these people have got <laughs> fucking encourage. shit together yeah. and look yeah. around the room and none of them have mm-hmm. you know we all just get oh yeah 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 but that's the thing if you're if you're about to embark upon it I think that I think the thing is just just as a little side note is to say that we we you know even though we're all sitting here talking about project that at any given time at whatever level I don't think if you are are 100% convinced you know what you're doing, mm. then you're yeah. probably and not doing it right, yeah. and you're fooling yourself. Yeah, and or I you're think a sociopath. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. But yeah, I think this is this is this industry um, for me is a complete blessing because I've I've really never grown up. I still play with Lego. I I I still play board games and I I have toys and but this is a profession where you get to play but you get to play in ways that really challenge you. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We have to be, physically, we have to be able to play with our bodies. We have to be able to play with our, our voice. But also you have to put yourself into the skin and the situations that of other people that can be really challenging. And I think not children are brave and you become afraid as you're an adult. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what you, you capture when you go into this industry again. And you, you keep that, that childlike bravery in you and you get to do amazing things yeah um, if you, if you yeah. wake up in the morning and you can't imagine doing anything else you've got to be in this industry yeah you know because no one in their right mind would say I am now going to have a career in the most precarious yeah. job market yeah, in the world yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in your it's in your heart yeah. it's in your heart it's in your heart I think it's just being open as well being open to learning being open to just exploring who you are as a person as well like you I think as actors you never stop learning in life yeah. and you learn yep. so learning, you know you kind of develop different things all the different skills that you all learn the things about yourself that you don't even know that you are capable of doing yeah yeah. and you look and you do production and you think wow I did that mm-hmm. and so wow I think mm-hmm. all of us gets that that one moment on stage where you know regardless of how many lines you've got or what your character is but there comes a moment on stage where you realise you're holding that auditorium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's terrifying and invigorating and you that's when all the silly things go through your head, like, oh, I could blow a raspberry now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's also that the ability to to communicate to that number of people mm. in a way that you you really know that they're listening. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when you get that connection, and I think regardless of the applause or the laughter or anything mm-hmm. that moment is when you think wow this is yeah, this is yeah. special yeah, it's magical isn't it yeah but really Peter, Peter Brook in his lectures always talks about the, the divine theatre and the, the moment of transformation and that for me I think is one of the most transformative mm. things you've got that, that that moment it might just be a beat it might be a line yeah yeah absolutely yeah. all eyes are on you and everyone mm. is watching what you're doing you're thinking yes and this is important yeah, yeah. Because oh, even every every play that I've done, I've done some some weird, or some wonderful, some farces. But every play that I've done is important because it takes people out of themselves for that minute. And I, I think that's an unfortunate thing that we, in a way, have have lost with technology entertainment. We go to the cinema, oh, yeah, and yeah. We, we we watch a lot yeah. more movies. But the, the well, we history, don't even go to the cinema. We sit at home. Home and watch movie, yeah. yeah. But that that sitting in a dark, sitting in the dark, with a room full of strangers, and 
just forgetting about what's outside for mm-hmm. me. And that shared connection of being in that room together, experiencing that moment. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's quite nice. An atmosphere. Super powerful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it can happen in an audience of five or an audience of 500. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, we could wax lyrical about this yeah. for, for all day, but no, it's, it's good. It's, 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 this is nice, and um, the audience will. Uh, anyway, so just do it. If you're thinking about it, just get on with it, because we're having yeah. a nice time talking about it. Yes. So. And there'll be highs and lows. That's the other thing, is yeah. like, to know, to understand that you're not necessarily going to walk in and it, you're going to be a, a successful, yeah. you know, multi-talented star, blah, blah, and millions and millions. Yeah. You know, there are... And you probably shouldn't do it if that's why you're doing yeah. it. Yeah. Really. And there, are, there will be... There's nothing wrong with wanting to achieve financial success, but if you want to be... If you're in it to be famous... That's yeah. Have a thing. Have a thing. Have a thing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, goodness <laughs> me. Um, so, uh, so this is the point where I ask you, what your most memorable, exciting, disturbing moments on stage ever? One each. Um, I'll start with Stephen this time. A memory from hell or heaven? Oh gosh! I mean, there's there's so many moments in different shows that that stand out, and at times it's nothing to do with the script. It's nothing to yeah. do with what's actually going on on stage. Um, Absolutely. Uh, th- th- there is one that's th- th- quite an inappropriate one that I mentioned earlier. Um, <laughs> Greg and I met um, doing, doing a play together, yes. which we'll, we'll come on to yes, yes, yes. more and, uh, later. We had performed in London for a month, and then um, we were all being taken off to Edinburgh to perform for the Edinburgh Fringe uh, Festival, which is, if you haven't been, go experience it. It's, it's bonkers. And if you're there as a performer, you won't see half the shows you want to. You won't have a sleep pattern. You probably won't eat much for about three weeks. Um, you will have a completely messed up body clock and you will catch Edinburgh stomach flu <laughs> that's just there for the festival and will almost kill you. Amongst the myriad of things you can catch at the Edinburgh Festival. Oh, you, you can <laughs> catch a lot of the festival. Um, <laughs> but there was, there was nine, nine men of uh, varying ages living in a reasonable sized house, sharing a reasonable sized house with two bathrooms and stomach flu. None, none of us were, were having a really happy time. I don't think that I had week. stomach flu. You were lucky. You didn't. I, I didn't don't think Piers got it either. So mm. your room must have been I'll the cleanest. Yeah. Stomach Everyone of iron. Stom- stomach of iron. Yeah, we were we were sitting. The first night that it hit us was when um, Ad was supposed to be coming on, and he didn't come on, and we'd given the queue lines, oh, God. and there was just a gap. That's and he fine. came eventually came bounding on stage and everything went on fine. And about five minutes later, he was sitting in between us and the sofa, and you went, "Where the fuck were you? I couldn't get off the toilet." Oh my god! <laughs> That's when you know your company now has the stomach flu. But I also had to take off all of my clothes yes. in in the show, and it was a venue <laughs> with an average temperature of around thirty nine degrees. I don't know what that is in in old money, but it's very very hot. Very hot. <laughs> And when it came to the, the, the taking off clothes, it was supposed to be done with a certain amount of anger and quite quickly. When your clothes are sticking to you like a wetsuit, <laughs> you're really you're peeling. You're it's it's you're skinning yourself. <laughs> and I, I got to the point I just dropped my shorts, don't say that often, and I had to remove my underwear yes. and realised I would have to peel my boxer shorts off my body. And I had explosive stomach flu. Yeah. So I got about halfway down, my, um, my boxers were around my knees, and I thought, oh no, oh no. And of course, I'm bending over um, more and more. 
and with a sudden pu- I just pushed the underwear to the ankles and stood up I've never been so pleased not to shit down a back cloth in all my life <laughs> so I think that has, that has to stand out okay. as one of the most horrific experiences See, now it's interesting. I talk to performers of every kind and, and I've asked this question and it quite often goes back to bottoms mm. and poo and farting yeah. so yeah because I had no problem with taking off all my clothes on stage well, no, no, no. as long fine. as you as long as there isn't a Concern yeah. at the other end. At the other end, that, yeah. you know, one bend will lead we'll to. Oh, <laughs> I mean, an audience. Do you know how many stars that would have got? Yeah, I the, mean, the truth, possibly would actually have been quite a few. Yeah, Unless, you know, it might have been written in the script. So. It could have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was Steve. So Gregory, golly, oh, there's so many. Like I've done so many things, but my brain just is a bit of a sieve, and it just kind of loses all these things. Like. It doesn't have to be a bad moment. This, is, this can also be a, a moment of joy where you well, said, oh, this is a we're talking about bottom moments. Um, <laughs> Since we are. As, yeah. as we're there. It just, it just as we're sprang down there. Uh, a memory in my mind of performing in France. So I worked with the Touring Pierce Company in France yes. for mm. many years, which is a wonderful experience and it gave me great knowledge of France and wine. culture. Absolutely. And wine. Great knowledge of wine. Uh, French wine. Obviously, <laughs> and cheeses, um, yeah, you know, and pastries, and all yeah. of that. Um, so yeah, so it was on one of these particular tours that I was on, and I was on stage by myself, and I had to run off stage. The doorbell went. I went off stage to collect this letter that had been posted, mm-hmm. and come back on to read this letter. Mm-hmm. So as I've gone off. Uh, Actors can be quite naughty sometimes <laughs> um, in trying to make each other laugh and corpse. As Which well. happens when you've been in, some, in a situation for a long time and it's starting to get a little bit familiar. Yeah. It's dangerous to muck around, but anyway, mm. yeah. yeah. Uh, so I had gone backstage and in the, the wings was supposed to be this letter and it wasn't where it was supposed to be. <gasps> yeah. This is why you never touch anyone else's props. <laughs> well... I was like, where is this letter? Oh, like I've got to get back on stage. I need um, my safety, I need my routine, I yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I'm doing. And I <laughs> yeah. turned my head to my left, because I was off stage left, mm. and I turned my head, and there were three, of the, the other three actors were stood there, and one actor, I won't mention his name, although he might be proud of it, I don't know. Um, he was bent over with his cacks down, and the letter was in between his cheeks. Oh, okay. oh no. So I had to pull the letter out of his cheeks, and apparently, as I did so, he let out a little bit of a, a windy puff. Um, Charming. Yeah. And then actors I had are to, children. Oh, actors are children. Then I had oh. to go back on stage and read this letter as if nothing had happened. Um, and I did have a little smirk. Oh, um, so yeah, that was just that's one that's just sprung to mind. But fun at the same time. See, this, this, ladies and gentlemen, is also proof that actors, again, I'm saying they, they never grow up. This, these, these are prime examples of those moments where, uh, I mean, uh, well, we'll talk about. I've, I'll tell you guys later. I've told the audience before about my farting on stage story, but that's <laughs> for, for you later on. <laughs> anyway, um, so. Let's yeah. move on to how we know each other. So, right. Greg, I want yeah. you to tell me an abridged version of how you know me. Uh, so, I know you for the fact that we actually both auditioned for the same play, not for the same part. We auditioned for the same play, which was Immaculate. Yes, indeed. Um, then Ollie, who wrote it, Ollie yeah. Bensley, yeah. 
then put me in touch with you or put you in touch with me to audition for the Gaydar Diaries. Gaydar Diaries, which we've encountered oh, along the way. Wow. And we've had a few of the people yeah. from that around. Which yes. again was, we, we did that for a year, I think, didn't we? We, we were earning a wage yeah, at points did. for that. And we were, yeah, it was we, real. Yeah. yeah, the Gaydar Diaries were on for ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, went to, we were paid Jeez. to be in Edinburgh. Yeah. Yes, I know. Wonderful. <laughs> and so we did, yeah, we did the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, that was my second Edinburgh. Yeah. And I've done it three times now. I love Edinburgh. <laughs> I, I have to say, I, I just love it. I think what, <coughs> excuse me, what I love is that uh, community of artists and mm. that creative spirit all being in this bubble. I mean, it does get a bit insane. Yeah. But um, I do like that fact that everybody's creative and like trying to do stuff yeah. and I think it's fabulous it's um, great but having lived in Edinburgh for 12 years you really mm. want everyone to die slowly painfully and horribly by <laughs> yes, the time you get to I week 3 this from... because there's no bread and yeah. milk in any of the shops and every bus is packed it's yeah. And there's yeah. only so many flyers you can... <laughs> yes. Yeah. We used to play yeah. a game. Uh, play this when you're in Edinburgh. Walk down one side of the high street, collecting flyers, then cross to the other and try and get rid of your flyers as you walk back up the high street. The winner's the one with the empty hands. <laughs> so for uh, for Americans and for fans of, of, of drag who listen in, it's a bit like uh, when, when uh, in Provincetown when a drag queen is barking on the street. So you'd, uh, Americans would call it barking. It's oh. a thing, yes, it, but basically it's aggressive flyering. Whipping so, up a bit of trade. Whipping up a bit of trade, <laughs> as, you will, as you will and as you might. If you can imagine a street that's this, the section they use about half a mile long with about 400 drag queens trying to whip up that same bit of trade, that's what <laughs> yes. it looks like. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yes, so, yes. that's essentially where yes. I met you yes. through uh, doing that. We met through the Gaylord Diaries and then, of course, we've done other productions after that, uh, I was... You were in my play. first play. Yeah. Second play. Yeah, second play. Uh, which we went to... Dublin, Dublin. Gay yeah. Theatre Festival. Oh. Which we went to twice. Yes. And at one point, Gregory was sick and I covered you. Because <gasps> you, you, were, you went to hospital for Gaydar Diaries. Yeah. You went to hospital? Yeah, I had a story. Oh, it, it, I had tonsillitis. Um, oh. Yeah, I get it. Probably twice a year. Um, and it, I didn't realise, and it was quite bad. And mm. then I, I said to Matt, I got this kind of sore throat on the Thursday, I think it was. And I woke up on the Friday and I saw Matt, and he said, How are you? I went, Ah, oh. and he went, Go oh. to the hospital. Yeah, but it's like he, he couldn't, he I couldn't speak. speak. Yeah. Oh, no. And the, it was quite vocal. I, oh, so, you know, I yeah, had kind yeah, of yeah. Like, mm. vocal acrobatics and different accents that I would do. And, right. Oh. So, yeah. yeah. Not one that you could briefly soldier through with no. some stretzels. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I had to go to the emergency doctor thing and they sent me in. They wanted to put me on a drip for 48 hours. And I said, no, I'm flying home to Britain. Um, and I've got shows to do. Yes. No. So they gave me some antibiotics and it was all fine. And, and you um, did the last show. Um, but thank you very much for stepping in and yes. yeah. and I just did basically a carbon copy of everything Greg had done because I was just so terrified <laughs> um, so that was it so okay and then so we've been fun. friends ever since yeah um, and that was how many years now let's oh just mark that was I think 2005 2005 so, so that's oh, 13 years, years. Oh. yeah we've done had lots of jolly japes along yes. the way long ways around the world yeah, and, yeah. So, now this is the point where we move on to how 
Gregory and Stephen. Well, uh, as I say, we, we had been, we were in the same, same company, we were doing the same play. Um, we were doing Which that. seems to be remaining nameless, it, but that's okay. It was a lovely little play. It was a, about a, a group of gay men having a house party together and uh-huh. lots of revelations and realisations coming out. Sure. But we, um, we started rehearsals and we, we didn't have Greg. We had a stand-in. Oh. Um, and we'd, we'd she have, couldn't be bothered. She couldn't <laughs> be bothered. We had a very nice young man for the first week whilst... Uh, Gregory swanned off to the Minac and, and performed in someone else's. Um, I was at the Minac. Yes. Yeah. I was at the Minac. Which is an open air theatre in Cornwall. It's very lovely. And it's beautiful. Google it. It's gorgeous. But um, it meant then that week two of rehearsals, you had this nicely bonded company of people and Greg. Well. And I think, think, came I think oh, yeah. we bonded within about 20 seconds because oh, okay. at that time we were both smokers and we were the only smokers in the cast. Uh-huh. And you know that moment where you step out the first smoke break and you get the click of the lighter and there's a beat of silence and then you both just go... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And from then on, we were... It, it's it's like the camp version of Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> Which is a beautiful image and yeah. Yeah. yeah, and ever since, I think you kept me sane in Edinburgh. Um, Edinburgh the festival is really pressured, there's a lot of stress and Indeed. lack of sleep and blah blah blah. Um, and, and Greg did, did keep me grounded and, and I don't know sane how, my throughout it. I think I was stealing your sanity. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't have much, but... <laughs> and then, um, I, I was directing a little while um, after that, and it was a, it was a um, lovely place in the world of advertising. And when I read the script, the the Miles character was, was you. Yeah. He was like, this this is Greg. So and yes, where was the, where was this happening? This and was um, it was a theatre down in Balham that um, that has has closed now and has moved to another part of London, but I can't oh, quite remember where. It's in sixteen. Yeah, And this was it was Steve Thompson's first play uh, called Spin Cycle, which is is all set in. So the 80s world of advertising. So the whole thing, we, we performed it with a sort of pumping um, 80s dance soundtrack. And mm-hmm. it's all about sort of cocaine-fueled meetings. But every time a pitch meeting happens in the play, it goes into um, iambic, strict, strict rhythms. And it, it, it was great, great fun. But as soon as I read the script, there was this wonderfully sharp man, mm-hmm. Miles, who, who kind of... Throughout the play, thought he crash. Thought he was. He thought he knew everything that was happening in the agency, and then then I didn't. Had no, clue, yeah. no clue. And it was just. It was. It was a joyous project. Uh-huh. Um, and, and and yeah, working on that. It was. It was brilliant to be working together again but on a very different yeah. play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and to be directed by you as well. Yes, nice. which was the first time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we've we've just kind of stayed friends. Yeah. And because then you invited me to your wedding. I did, lovely, I did. I felt very um, honoured to be invited. I'm, I'm just over a year married. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Congratulations. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a lovely day. Yes. Um, thankfully, we had lots of friends um, like Greg come and help Where us celebrate. Where did you get married? We, we had the ceremony in Stokely Newington Town Hall. Ah, yes. Which is a gorgeous deco yes. building. Yeah. Um, and then we went to the last remaining working man's club in London for our reception. Which is green. it's the Mild May, and it was it was one of the first working man's clubs, which still has the same premises, is run by the most terrifying Irish women. Uh-huh. Like, I'm, I'm six foot eight. She's about three foot two. Yeah. She scares the living shit out of me. But it's like walking into 
1975. Okay, so it yeah. hasn't changed. Uh, yeah. yeah, and they've got the yeah. same hairstyles, and it, just, it was just brilliant because it's a place where we let your hair down, have a great party, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's no pretentious. That's what we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We knew we wanted to have the, the walking coach, and um, my my husband and I had had a hand fasting. Um, a couple of years prior to mm-hmm. that, which is a, is a pagan ceremony, Google that one. And I was at a wedding in Cork, a gay wedding in Cork, where there was a hand fasting during this ceremony as well. Oh, interesting. Yes. yes. Well, the um, the Celtic um, energy colours are black, white, blue, red, and green. Uh-huh. And that when we had when we were hand fasted, everyone was given a piece of ribbon to wear in that colour. Sure. So we had the same colour of balloons oh, then for the wedding. Oh, oh, I see. And then it meant when we had the walking bus to the venue you could see everyone because everyone was holding yeah, helium yeah, balloon yeah, yeah. but organising the tanks of helium and then the bin bags and then the taxis to get the balloons <laughs> to the uh, yeah sure, great sure, fun sure, sure. Um, I didn't realise that was a colour scheme yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> they're working it out well, Greg's working yeah, now. I, 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 we, we, I didn't, we didn't tell anyone no things, we didn't tell know. anyone that um, that's why we'd go mm, for them yeah. brilliant I'm such a beautiful day and the pictures will be featured on your Instagram and <laughs> details will be given later now um can you, between you, or just one of you, tell us about the reason we're all sat here is uh, Gregory's first full play, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, Lily yeah. in the Guest House Window. So can you tell us about the show and you can either give us your synopsis or you can just... just well, band, I'll just, I'll just give you the, the kind of the stem of where it came from. Yes, let's, yes, let's um, go there. So actually... It, this play arises from Matthew and Kelly uh, because many years ago that's me he <laughs> obviously I was in his play and I had been in a play by our, our mutual friend Tony Higgins who has been on your podcast yes before. he has and I was in his play Dogging and, <laughs> and we've all heard about Dogging and in Dogging you were playing I think was his character Peter I think, I think so. the name was Peter, and he was he was the um, absolute king of dogging, and he was into everything. And in a gimp mask for most of the show. In a oh, mask, brilliant. Yeah, and a fisherman's <laughs> jacket. Yes. They wanted me in a rubber suit, but it was December, it was outdoors. In the snow. Oh. In South South Pacific London. behind the Vauxhall Tavern. Oh! Yeah. Yes. We'll tell you about it later. Yes. Uh, I've seen uh, what goes on at the back of the Vauxhall Tavern. <laughs> it's art time. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, yes. And then we were sat in, I believe it was the Q bar, and you said to me, now it's your turn to write a play. And this is many years ago. And so it was in my head because, I, as I say, I've written a novel, I've written a second novel now, um, I've been a collection of poetry, but I've never written a play. Which we will, <laughs> I will put in the show notes, you can buy it online as well, yeah. so give me all the details. Um, so the. Yeah, I've never written a play before. Um, so you gave me that the initial kind of thought mm. of an idea of I need to write a play, um, and then can't forward a few years later. I think I had written a, a couple of pages, and I brought them to you, and I said, you know, let me read them. We met up in a bar in Blackheath. Oh goodness! Um, and so that was the stem of that. Mm. And then this year, it, so it's been cogitating for about three or four years, I suppose. And then I joined a writing group this year. Um, Can I just hold you one one second? I do remember a point where Lily in the Guesthouse window was a vaguely comedic Irish woman 
who was a little bit drunk. We went down that way. It was in, it was it was after a few drinks, and I decided that Lily was. Uh, was that, that's the other play that that's, I want to read. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember that? That, that it, was, it was just it was just an evening where we I just went off on a tangent Maybe. and was giving you well, actually, crazy I mean, old Irish woman. The actual thing, the initial gem of Lily mm. stems back from the Gaylagaris because we would walk from the flat that we lived in, which was south of the... Uh, Rathmines. Yeah. The, it? No, that's, that was Dublin. Oh, no, no, sorry. Yes, yeah, so sorry. Um, well, we did south of uh, yeah. the Meadows. Oh, south yeah, yeah. Meadows. yeah, yeah. Uh, so which, we would which, walk. which Celtic city? <laughs> <laughs> We were, yeah, so we would walk from south of the meadows towards the Pleasance, because we were in Pleasance 1, I think? Yes. Right, yeah, yeah. And we walked past, which I believe was an old people's home, and every day I'd walk past oh. and I would see this lady in oh. her window. Yes, 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 yes. And I'm just that sort of person being very curious, like, I wonder who she is, what yeah. does she yeah. do? So I had this thing about Lily, you know, she's been in my head for a long time, like, and I don't know that she's necessarily a track artist from 1930s Berlin mm. and she's probably not called Lily either but that's where the name comes from because we kind of she's been a, her. an old Scottish lady in a care home she's been an Irish woman running a guest house mm. drunkenly and now um, she's landed in Berlin it's very yeah, interesting yeah now she's landed in Berlin in the 1930s that's a meeting of sisters that I want to see <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the next well, play yes. no, no actually in fact I've got an idea for a play for all three of us actually and it, I think the title is when um, we three kings from Occident Spa. Ooh. <laughs> spa not being SPA, but being the shop. SPA, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which would be a 7 Eleven if you're in North America. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Anyway, so. Well, yes. It's quite shocking that the spa still exists. Yeah. I, I stumbled across it. So spa is, yes, spa 7 Eleven. So, yes, 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 yes. So, yes, then I joined this writing group uh, this year, the London Playwriting Lab. Uh, which I was passed on to by my friend Abby and uh, so I went there and I said I've got this idea and I've got another idea and they said we like this idea and I thought well that's interesting because that's the play that I would like to write as well mm -hmm. um, and I also had it in my mind that somebody was having a big birthday this year um, and what I would like to do after many years of going I've got to write this play in my own head no pressure from anybody else actually to write anything um, but just in my head, that's how I work. Mm. Let me see, I've got a deadline of a date of the birthday. Ah. So, yeah, I wanted to just see, can I actually write this play for Matt's birthday, get it done, or a first draft or something yeah, like yeah. that. That's the hard thing when you're writing, is actually finishing that first draft. Yeah. Is it getting it done? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a good deadline to have. Yeah. So, I have to say, I was writing it sort of January, February. I had no February. idea. Yeah, I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I wrote all this stuff and I had some really nice feedback from it. And at the end of that, they got actors into the sort of 15 to 20 minutes worth of um, dialogue that you mm. come up with by the end of this course. And I had positive feedback to put up with something in that. And plus, also, I need to get this written for Matt's birthday, um, even though he has no idea that this is going on, <laughs> and then carried on writing in the ethos of just eight lines, just write eight mm. lines, that was one of the, one of the things, probably should be giving that away. Well, um, no, it's, you know, it's just... But, but, yeah, so I just sure carried on, mind. carried on, I yeah. knew, because I suppose I've consciously... So write eight off. lines, 
just eight lines. Or... Yeah, or just write eight lines. And then from there, you might be inspired to write the next eight lines. Sure. And then oh, write yeah, the next yeah, eight yeah, lines. Yeah. Yeah. But just that, yeah, do that just, start yeah, yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's like anything, when you have a big project, it's just breaking it down into manageable pieces. Yes. It's like learning yeah. text. No, you, know, you have to break it down mm. into the smaller, easier chunks that you can process it. So yeah. it's not this big, scary, I've got to write a whole play. I've You're not sitting at a blank page thinking, yeah. I have to fill this. Yeah. You're writing it like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so. actually the way one of the writers on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, she approached it and she would say, right, I'm having a... That's the kitchen in the South Bank Centre. Uh, she would she would approach it by I, I've got, I'm having a blank I don't know what I'm supposed to be st- I, I, I know what I'm the story she's having line. a blankety blank I'm having a blank, blank. blank. <laughs> yes. she's having a vampire blank um, and that she would set a timer mm. half an hour and yeah. say I just have to write anything something for half an hour and then when the alarm goes off I'm allowed to stop and then I can go and have a cup of tea I can go and do things but, however, the theory is that once you force yourself to do the half an hour, you've got to write something, yeah. your brain will go, okay, well, I'm, I might as well write yeah. something useful. Yes. And it forces it back into, into, into that yeah. world. Yeah. So, so the student I've, I've consciousness started, becomes the perfect... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've been using it myself recently, and it's, it works. Definitely, so, yes. yeah. Um, so then I thought, right, I've got to keep going, and then I came the first draft, and I thought... Yeah. That work, I don't know. And then at some point, I involved Stephen and I emailed Stephen. <laughs> and I said, Stephen, I, I, I've written this play, I think it's sort of the first draft. Um, would you mind reading it? Would you be interested to read it? And he said, Yeah, I'll take a look. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, you know, I, I, I love when people say, Oh, you know, would you have a look at this? Because I've done it as well when I've written stuff and said, Oh, would you mind casting an eye over yeah. this? And so Greg had sent me the message of that. I was, it was an attempt job, I was having a very dull day. And then it landed in my inbox. So you do what you always do in temp job and print it on the office computer. Um, <laughs> and I, I started reading. And I think you were getting quite worried because I just, I just... Yeah, I hadn't heard from you. It had been at least half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and the truth was, I, I, I started reading the script and I, I couldn't stop. I had, I had yeah, to get yeah, to the yeah, end yeah. of it. I just wanted it. I, no, it was brilliant. It was yeah. absolutely brilliant. And I would, I, I still am completely blown away by it. It's very, very rarely that you, you do come across a script that you think I want to direct the living fuck out of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's plays that you like, there's plays that inspire you, there's some that you think I have no idea how I do it, but why not anyway? But as, as soon as I read this, the, the characters were so well formed, the, the subject matter was so delicately handled. I, I just realised it's not real not mention what it's about or anything. Yes. We can do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Scottish, I'm Calvinist, we don't do emotion. And this this has a wonderfully tight drum of emotion on it. It just... It, so I, I then messaged back after after probably scaring you quite badly and just said, this is brilliant. And I'm, I'm honoured and privileged that you, you thought of me and wanted me involved oh, and that you still want me involved. Yeah. So, yeah. so ladies and gentlemen, this is the point when it all gets very nothing. Yeah. And the two of us have had a glass of wine, so we're all going to start patting each other in the back. But no, it's that's the way it is. And that's the way it works. And that's the thing, I think, the other thing to say about that, by the sounds of it, we all three are people who are doing their own thing and creating their own thing, as well as going with the flow mm. and being mm. given what other yeah. people are giving us, but actually Definitely creating you your own stuff, which yeah. lots of people don't do, and then get frustrated 
and I think that is the way forward. Mm. Anyway, 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 anyway. But that so, ties, ties back yes. into to what you were saying about don't go into this industry to, to become wealthy. Yeah. Um, don't even go into this industry to be financially secure. But when you are in this industry, the urge to create overtakes everything. Mm. Yeah. And, and that becomes its own reward and joy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's that sort of, yeah. So, if you would like to tell us, go on. Well, I have printed, I'm, I don't know, I've got a printed synopsis, but that's really dull to read it off of the page. Um, but you've got it there in front of you. I've got it here in front of just to right. have that's in right. case. Um, so essentially, it's set, it's a dual timeline. Um, so it's set um, in the 1930s in Berlin. Uh, so it's a, a drag artist who falls for an SS officer. And they have this whirlwind relationship, fall madly in love with each other. And of course, things change when Hitler comes to power and the politics of the time prevent them from being together. Um, and then we float into the 1980s and we come to um, South London and just after the riots have happened in Brixton. And, this and the year was? Well, there were, there were two. So it was 1981 and then it was 1984. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so it's just after like, the first Britain riot. So, mm. you know, early 80s. Um, so there's a lot of tension within Britain, certainly yeah. in London. Um, and that's to do with race, and different cultures, and things coming in that were just exploding at that time. Mm. So we have Lily, uh, who's now living in London at that time, and she uh, is obviously a, an aged lady at this point, and so she, she has this carer that comes in to look after her, who is Joel, and he's a black guy that is from South London. And when they first meet, it seems that their worlds are just diametrically opposed. They shouldn't, you know, they don't, don't know who each, who each other is, and they don't know what each other's worlds are. But for both of them, there's a slight thing of, you're not part of my world, I don't understand you. Mm. Do I fear you? Mm, possibly a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that is, you know, part of our nature, part of also the way that we are brought up, just fear the other, mm. you know. Mm. But, really there's nothing to fear yeah, yeah, because yeah. we're all the same and I think essentially what I'm hoping to, that I'm trying to portray as one of the themes of it is that we are all the same and mm. as much as we are different there are similarities and through the play they kind of recognise that about each other that mm. well you've experienced that I've experienced this and that makes us similar so there's a connection in experience getting a little bit loud now in the sound bank. That's all right. No, yes, you may, you may need to speak up a little bit because it's getting busier. Yeah. Who um, knew? <laughs> <coughs> yeah. But it's quite nice. You know, it's quite relaxed and stuff like Anyway, so, yes. yeah, essentially to their... I don't know if I'm saying this very well. No, you Maybe are. I you are. You are. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's them sort of learning about each other's lives and that they come together and just appreciate each other as well mm. um, and Joel tries to do a very nice thing for Lily because Lily's partner Lily has no idea what's happened to Deesa 
Because I'm not going to say any more beyond that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was cutting up before I just gave you the, the ending, and, uh, but no, yes. Greg and I met earlier uh, today, and he was walking across the, the, the park towards me just when I got to that letter scene, so I was able to close the script, because every time I go through that, I end up towards emotion. So I was quite glad to uh-huh. stop there, <laughs> but no spoilers. Yes, no, no, no there, there is no need for spoilers, because eventually... You're all going to be seeing it somewhere in the world. Yeah. Um, so, we kind of know why. My next question was, why did you want to work together? And we know why you want to work together, because you have a laugh. Yeah, I, I just, I absolutely love this man. He's just brilliant. He's just spontaneous and fun and lovely. And I trust him implicitly with this play, because he, it's his passion. And I love that. You know, he's passionate about things and his energy and he's positive. I'm, I'm just laughing this up. I'm not, I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. anything. I'm just doing. Sorry. That, that, yes. Joy. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's, I, I, I think it's the it's it's the sense of humour that that you have that we share mm. that that drew me initially to you. It's it's like a moth to a flame. But uh, you have a you have a wonderful sort of quippish waspish quality. Right. Notice I, I, here, ladies and gentlemen, just, that a homosexual just quoted Janet Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> So, just because it's getting noisy, I want to make sure we get everything in. Yeah. Um, what, what, what were the personal significances in the script for you guys? What, what, what resonates? I mean, it's difficult because you've yeah, written yeah, it. Yeah. But if you could kind of remove, a, if you could take a step away, what's something that really resonates for you about it? And then, likewise, mm, Stephen. I'm sure you have a lot now because you spent a lot of time reading it through and staring at it and thinking about it. So, yeah, just a couple of things. Yeah, well, so the, the one proviso that you had given me many years ago, I don't even remember it, um, you had said, uh, yes, if I do it, then I, I want to play it in drag. And I went, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No. <laughs> she was drunk. She just referred to herself as she. <laughs> Go on. So that kind of got my mind just thinking, what does that say to me? What would be mm. to me is interesting to me. I know I what it says to me, thing. but anyway. Um, but what it says to me, you know, what do I also find interesting? What do I want to write about? Yeah. Mm. Um, and I've always had this sort of, I don't know if it's a morbid fascination or this fascination about the Holocaust. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had to do um, part of my English. Um, exams, you know, when I was 16, we read Anne Frank's diary and we had to Mm. study that. And I found that very moving and compelling. And then I did a comparison with her posthumous stepsister. Um, And she actually went, they lived in opposite sides of the streets in Amsterdam. Mm. And whereas Anne Frank and I believe her mother died, her posthumous stepsister, she went to the camp and she survived. Um, So where sort of Anne Frank's diary stops from when they are taken into the camps. Yeah. Obviously, um, the story kind of carries on of what life is like during the camps. So, mm-hmm. having studied that, and I just thought that I just hate that sort of inhumanity and, and injustice and inhumanity and how people can be so cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, it just was always kind of haunting and then just desperately, desperately sad when things like that happen. Yeah. Um, so that is the sort of a resonance in that, you know. Sure. Um, it just I remember we've actually been to Berlin yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that be, that hadn't even registered. Yeah. yeah, and I found that very moving in Berlin actually mm. um, when we went just to walk around that city and, and mm. feeling that essence. You know, there's still yeah, yeah. echoes in certain parts of that mm. city, mm. Um, which obviously cannot help and mm. sort of part of it as well. And it should always remain part. Of yeah, it. it shouldn't be and, uh, coloured in. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I also had a touch of that when I went to Prague many years ago as well and there's a, a square yes and I yeah. had another echo of that of like mm. my goodness you know Hitler was here and he speaks as well no absolutely um, and after that, that was the first time I had done Eastern Europe as well mm. um, so then we went to Berlin I was like gosh this is the heart of where all of this happened yeah um, obviously it's still a, you know a vibrant wonderful city booming today absolutely yes. um, yeah, yeah. but it has those echoes you know and for me to walk around in those streets and I thought Gosh, it was chilling to me to think mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I'm touched by that or yeah. sensitive to those things. I yeah, don't no, know. I, yeah, of course. Um, so that, yeah, and then so I suppose injustice as well within black culture or like the way that black people have been treated and over history as well. That kind of and it's still it's still happening. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and well all over the world. Yeah. yeah. And and gay culture as well. So you know, there's yeah. all these things. I just it's just the inhumanity and injustice of yeah, yeah, of, of yeah. things that have happened to people. And I think, but for what reason? You know, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I don't understand the mentality. Of, you know, we're all together. We're all just yeah, trying to get along. We just want to yeah. live our lives and you know, eat, drink, be merry, and really, you know. So Stephen, how about you? Um, I, I think we we do have quite a legacy in in this country and in Europe of. Um, the major events of the last century having an artistic impact on us. Um, I, I, I have been in a production of Bent, um, which is a, a brilliant play and a, a very hard watch. Um, which, good, good film yes, which well. if you, I, I don't know if it's on Netflix or any of those, I'm sure it probably is. I, d- I don't know actually. If you um, haven't seen yeah. it, you should track it down because the film is, is uh, yeah, Ian McKellen and yeah. Michael yes, Cashman. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I have an absolute dream for um, um, Mick, Jagger Mick Jagger playing the drag queen. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. and it's it's very yeah. much like a sort of Pierre Gilles cartoon world <laughs> that they, they inhabit until everything goes wrong. It's beautifully done, yeah. um, the men and the women. Um, mm. But I think because I've been involved in projects like that, and, and one of the girls that I was in high school with had had written a play, um, Toy V, which was set in Zobibor. Um, I I've researched quite a lot into that period of, of mechanised destruction mm-hmm. um, that, that, that we, we our, our, our grandparents and parents' generation lived through. And I think because that was looming in the play, mm. because it, it sort of, the, the play beautifully shapes itself around the events that would be the hardest to watch, mm. the events mm-hmm. that, that come to after the, 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 the final verdict on incarceration but you have this glimpse of the beauty that that was in the Weimar it was always said to be decadent but it was a it was a self-awareness and a a creation of spaces in which you could be yourself and you could be loved and you there was a real sense of of people claiming that Mm -hmm. and, and claiming that in a country that was being destroyed by reparations that was you know, still reeling from the First World War and that, that socially and politically was limping into the, the, the middle part of the 20th century. And, and all of these um, 
kids, adults got together and said, we are going to create a space where we can be ourselves. And, and Germany was living still under the shadow of a, of a small piece of law that just made so so many people illegal, mm. just for, mm. for, for loving. Um, paragraph 175, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember it was repealed on the 17th of May. 1995, and that was done as a nod to the yeah, number of paragraphs, and that sticks in my throat a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But the um, the legislation Which is the same in, that it was 95. But yeah, 1995. Yeah. There was still 22 people arrested under the same piece of legislation in the year it was repealed. Um, but it was always it was a piece of legislation that had really been it been created in the late 1800s. And it was there out of a, a sort of strange sense of lumping together bestiality and things what we didn't think were quite proper. Mm. And then in 1935, the, the, the Nazis just shaved it a little bit and added poison because it was, it was now, it no longer had to be a concrete act that you were arrested for. You could be arrested for flirting. So yeah. literally you look at someone the wrong way they, the, the government then had the right to imprison you for a minimum of two years and without trial. Once the mechanised death began in the, in, the, in the country, it was easy to take people from prison and push them into the concentration camp system, where they would be lost entirely. And, and numbers are still incredibly hazy over exactly yeah, how many men yeah. were arrested under the legislation. Um, they have figures of arrests, but they don't have figures of continued incarceration. There's no figures of who went to camps. Yep. And then at the end of the war, these guys were rounded up again and put straight back in jail because they still hadn't served their two years. Mm -hmm. And it just... For me, there's, there's, there's two things in the play that, that really impassioned me. The yep. seeing, no matter how destructive the world around you was becoming, people were still being brave and they were still loving and they were still hanging on to that love because that's what makes us human. And for me then, the mirror, the scenes that are set in the 80s have a, have a different but equally strong mirror because you have this older woman who is lonely and is living in memories, but you have two people who are put together by a system discover they have much more in common than they thought and see the humanity in each other yeah. and that is that, that in those scenes in the 80s it gulfs a, a, an age one is in his, his very early 20s and, and Lily by this point is much much older you never see a lady's age so you've got this 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 sort of desperation in the beginning scenes this you know this world of paper and candlelight won't end because it's ours and it's beautiful and the, the, the love continues, but sadly the world does change and end for, for, for that time. And then the flip side to that is two people who find a commonality despite everything. And I would like to think that would know each other until one of them died after the play, I don't know. Um, but there's, there's a beautiful series of shared moments where they are, they are human beings together and kind of help each other heal a little yeah. from from what they've gone through um, it, it, Greg has written such a delicate play uh, I think the audiences really have to come along and, and, and see it because it's you often ask what, where's the play when you're writing something where is the play and this is it is a slightly difficult one to pin down because you can't say ah, it's the moment when Hedda shoots herself or it's the moment when this happens it's unlike a lot of the classics there isn't that single moment but there is 
throughout it there are there are threads of genius and humanity that I defy any audience mm. member not to sit there and think that's me or I know that person I know that situation yeah. I've been that lonely I've been that desperate I've been that brave mm-hmm. and it yeah you have to come and see it no absolutely <laughs> so the, well this is the thing peeps is that you will have actually have to come and see it and what we're doing at the moment is the uh, you know is the, is the starting block um, and we are doing a I would love to invite all of you from around the world to come and see it but we're doing it to an invited audience of people in the industry and chums and people who will be honest type thing um, and that's where we start I mean that's kind of my final question for you guys is is just in in brief it's difficult to say in brief but how does a how does a how does a a young person or an old person it doesn't matter your age how does a human being sit down and begin this process if somebody's listening to this and they're like I've always wanted to to do this and they haven't necessarily been in the world that we've been in where would they begin and I don't mean by going to training and what's the what's what's the basic what do you do Mm, at a desk this person sat at a desk how do they begin we've touched on it a bit but to get it to not to get it to full production because we're still learning that ourselves yeah Yeah. I mean that's the thing yeah this is all such a learning curve for me because it's my first play I mean we know what you've physically done you've told us your story of going through the workshop but before you even got to the workshop what did you I mean both of you have written so what do you do to get something done something finished and force yourself to do it I mean uh, it's, it's well certainly for writing for me it's it's that um, discipline you have to be disciplined as a writer which so many writers say yeah, and yeah. you know you just sit there oh, really? yes you do because you know we all have thoughts we all have that sort of creative moment that ideas and you think oh could that yeah. be something I mean I have been writing since I was very young and so I've got lots of kind of little stories that I've started and stopped and not developed yeah we've all got those you know the notebooks with yeah, yeah, the yeah. notes or the half page oh, of yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, so then yeah it's just sitting down every day oh we're just having this the gem of an idea the stem mm. of an idea and thinking I think I want to see where that goes. And is it also talking outside of your... So you're on your own, but actually sitting down with another person? Because, I mean, I don't know for you guys, but I, um, I find personally, as soon as you offer it to the world, and you start telling the world it's happening, you then have to... Yes. Follow yeah, it yeah, to yeah. do it. Got to do yes. it. I always... I use my husband as my sounding board. Ah, quite a lot. He, he writes... Um, he's written a lot. Um, he writes exceptionally well. And... I remember the first time I said to him, I've got this idea. And the question he said to me is, is the, it's always the crux. Where's the play? Where's the play? And that's why I think this one is, is unique, because it's, it's much more complex than that single moment. But he then turned around and said to me, well, just write it. Yeah. And it sounds like the most ridiculous thing and the most simple piece of advice. Mm-hmm. But having the balls to sit there and put your yeah. pen to paper and just think, yeah. I've got to get this done. Yeah. And be that the, the writing for half an hour or writing eight lines, which both of which I'm going to use now. Stealing the idea. But getting it done on the page and not self-editing, not yeah, correcting, not going back, yeah. just blurging it all onto the page, yeah. then 
Yes. Take a breath, take a day, have a You're cup of tea. You're not trying to do the final version. Yeah. 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 That's, I think, the key. I think we'd all agree. Is when you start, don't worry about how it's going to end. It's difficult to not do that, but like you say, to, to splurge. Yeah. Get it on the page. Yeah. out, as they say. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> and, and it doesn't matter what you're writing, because again, it's that thing of, if you're writing for half an hour, suddenly you then write maybe an hour or like five minutes of something that you think, that's genius, I love that. Yeah. Um, and then you might not want to do anything else after that, and that's totally fine. Yeah. But then go back the next day and carry on writing. As you say, like if you go back, you're just going to edit, and all you will do is edit what you have written. Rather and you will never finish that. You will never finish that if you do allow that. Allow that process yeah. to happen. Uh, it's that thing, it's being open and saying, yes, I want to get to the end of something. Yeah. I want to find out where this is going. And actually enjoying it. Yes. As much as yeah. it's like, I don't know about you guys, but there's that sort of... Yeah angsty kind of feeling about writing something I've got to get this story <laughs> yeah. out I've got to tell this story somehow and, and it's it it, the strange happen. thing yeah. that happens you get to the end of it you go the end and you've got to then you must stop because the, the urge immediately is to go right where can I make that better and, yeah. and it's don't just be glad you've Let's done that yeah. and then, then do the next phase yeah. Yeah. a couple of months even yeah. and then go back and reread it edit when you read it then yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. I think don't don't ever be afraid of thinking that wasn't very good but at the same time what you're now judging in yourself when you, especially when you're rereading your work someone else might think is the perfect moment yeah so get other opinions yeah exactly that's the other thing and say, it's yeah. always get people that you trust people that you love and people that love you because all any of you will then want from that is for this to be better yeah because sometimes the things that people will come back and say to you can you know you can, you can take them they can really go to heart you can, you can be hurt by them but no one working with people that you love they're never attacking you they want to make the work better yeah. that took me a long time to learn yeah. a yeah, long no, no. long time to learn um, yeah. yes criticism in, in, in anywhere in the world in any shape or form none of us really enjoy it whatever job you're doing but sometimes it's there for a reason and constructive criticism it's, yeah but that yeah. helps us to grow and develop as yeah. artists as people so as much you as might don't choke like on it, it a bit initially, yeah. but yeah. okay. Just and, then, and, and on this process, Greg then did an incredibly brave thing, which was get a group of actors together and got a group of, of friends together and said, right, you're going to watch this and yeah. you're going to tell me what you think of it afterwards, which is, is really brave. And I mean, that was, that was a brilliant day. Mm. And that was another one of those that everyone would get to the end of it and everyone goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. This has to happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I've sat in, in rooms where I've put my own work out there and everyone at the end of it's gone, yeah, not so sure. This happens. But you don't know unless you try. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, so I kind of just very briefly, if I Yes, 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 yes. Um, again, like, you know, that, so the thing about it is, like, it's become bigger than me. Like, when I was writing, it was like, it's bigger than me, the story, definitely. Um, it's about something else, and it's about giving a voice to those that whose voices were cut short. Yes. Um, and so that for me is, is a huge, hugely important if that can happen to give voice to people whose voices have been cut off and whose voices today are still being cut off short for no other reason than just who they are in life. Absolutely. Um, I, th I think if there was any question as to, to why this place should be now, it, it's a, it's a lesson that we haven't learned. Exactly. Mm -hmm. exactly. We, we are, the same things are happening yeah. again. We're seeing, again, a rise of the right wing. We're seeing the, the, the increase in othering 
Um, yeah. you know, the poor are the enemy, the immigrants are the enemy, women are the enemy, gays Exactly, it couldn't be more relevant, to be honest, and well, all over the world, sadly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that but, is another element, actually, like, where we are politically at mm-hmm. the moment, um, mm-hmm. to say, we've been through this before. And this isn't just Europe, it's this isn't just the away. US, this is... Yeah. This is uh, it's not going away, necessarily. I mean, you know, we're very lucky and privileged in, in the West. We've had some amazing times of, you know, it's, it's great and celebratory, um, but it's not for everybody around the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it only takes the mark of a pen to change all of that. So, oh, yeah. so there was Absolutely. a petition um, with 600 signatures uh, handed in to the Inverness Shire Council because Inverness wants to hold pride for the first time. Wow. Um, and it's Inverness is a big city in Scotland. Inverness is in Scotland. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big city in Scotland, but it's, it's one of the cities that it's one of the last cities before the Highlands. Oh. They they want to have a pride march, and yeah, there's a there's a council busybody who's gone off and collected 600 signatures and says what this is it's morally wrong, and the streets should be places for families and not for sexual decadence. Oh. And it's an echoing exactly of what you saw in 1934. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, really, really pertinent. Really, we haven't learned those lessons yeah. yet. Um, yeah, as you say, it's, it's the it's the flick of a switch, it's the signature on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. it's the, yeah, it's never, hopefully, it is far away enough, but it, yeah, Just to, be, to be aware, yeah. you know, um, goodness, <laughs> Sorry. I don't want to make it on that <laughs> note, <laughs> on that note, goodbye, um, no, but, but also um, it's, it, it's a, a, a time period that we need to remember is yeah. the, the Weimar period, yes, there is, there is, the horror that comes after but there was over a hundred gay clubs in Germany yes and they were they were they were divided by class etc but they were joyous dirty dangerous raucous seedy fantastic places absolutely and if if you haven't ever delved into this world or are slightly unaware of it the soft way in I would say would be cabaret yes that's your soft soft way into the to the world mm. um, the, there is a, a film of Isherwood's uh, short stories as well um, which has some lovely seedy gay clubs in it what's that um, called I, I I'm racking my brain but I can't remember um, I'll see if I can find we'll it find and, it and, and then we'll put it in the yes. okay. and it's all it's all winks and nods and uh, yeah. removing of jumpers yeah <laughs> and if you're going to choose a version of Cabaret to watch obviously the film is there but also there is the version that exists, and I believe it's on YouTube, with Jane Horrocks, <gasps> which yes. and Alan Cummings, oh, and is basically probably a little bit closer to what Sally Bowles was as an alternative, and then she's a punk, because <laughs> these people were the original punks. And she couldn't sing. Well, yeah, yeah. It wasn't about, absolutely, yeah. it was not about Beautiful, beautiful voice. It or, wasn't Liza Minnelli. We love you, Liza. It wasn't about that. It was. It was about passion and yeah. about truth yeah. and about anger and about art. Yes. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> we're going to come back when we've got this all tied up. When we've got an audience. When we've got producers, and then we're going to talk about it again and give you all the details of places to see us. Mm. But if, if anyone wants to, you know, say, I want to get involved and I want to be able to throw in huge volumes of money, please get in contact. Um, Absolutely. But also, um, yeah, 
keep keep up to date with what's happening because yes. this this will not stop. Which brings me to three things. So you all know my social medias, um, and we have three others. We have the two of you. Yeah. So first of all, Mr. Gregory uh, A. Smith. So I'm um, very tall. I only have Twitter, um, and my Twitter is at Gregor's seventy six. At Gregor's seventy six. Stephen? Um, I do have Instagram, but I have never posted a picture to it, <laughs> and I'm, I'm slightly I'm too old to be involved in that I'm whole thing. Um, but uh, I am on Twitter, and it's at uh, Stephen A. Oswald. Stephen um, A. Oswald. Stephen spelled with PH. Yes, so PH Stephen. Um, and I, I, I will, be, will be keeping things up to date there. Um, that's really the only one I use. I do use Snapchat, but. I don't really know how. I tend to take oh my pictures God. of my shoulder you and stuff. You use Snapchat, not Instagram. My goodness. Yeah. You've jumped ahead. Why you've jumped? You're in the deep end. Um, but there is also the, now the Twitter yeah. for the show. Yeah. Which, which I have. At Lily Window. At Lily Window, but it's got a, du- a, a capital L and a capital W. Yeah. Just so you know to make your life L-I-L-I. easier. L-I-L-I. L-I-L-I, Lily. So, yes, with a capital Lily Window, at Lily Window. And we will be posting this very podcast here. There will be pictures from the rehearsals. Yes. And yeah, the rehearsals there will be, up soon. Yeah. Uh, we're beginning on that. And, uh, and anything these gentlemen, any of us have to say, will go on to that very Twitter. Fantastic. Thank you very so much. So, gentlemen, awesome. thank you so much. We'll be back thank for you. more I hope that was soon. Interesting thank you so much for, for yeah, letting was, us ramble, yeah. letting me ramble. You were yeah. fabulous. Say goodbye to the listeners. Goodbye. Goodbye, listeners. Ciao, ciao. And one more language. Uh, Sayonara. (laughs) That'll do. (laughs) Cheers. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the marvellous Gregory and the marvellous Stephen. Um, Just a final quick note, just to say I was in, as I mentioned in the podcast, I was in Cork and a place called Kinsale in Ireland, in South East Ireland. Um just this weekend gone and it was a marvellous time it's a beautiful part of the world Kinsale especially Court was fun lots of traditional music um, there are things on my Instagram about that but however I did just want to very quickly say thank you gentlemen for a wonderful weekend um, a gay wedding in Ireland who knew that would happen um, with uh, dear friends Mr Brendan Murphy and Colin Kimber so gentlemen I hope you're having a marvellous honeymoon. And I always said I'd mention you on the podcast, and I have. Anyway, peeps, thanks for listening. Join us again soon. Bye.